This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 119, for Monday, July the 22nd, 2013. Oh, my God. It's almost the end of July already. Can you believe it? No, I refuse to believe it. Are we into the home stretch finally, as season four approaches? Which is a racing term, not yeah. a football term or a <laughs> baseball term. We've covered this. We've covered this. I, you know, I feel like we're, we're getting No, there. September is a home stretch. All right. September is the home stretch. No matter what, we're getting closer. We're almost, you know, summer's almost over. Things are winding down uh, for the summer and winding up for the fall TV season. Okay, shut up. <laughs> summer's winding down. It's still July. You're right. August is, uh, yeah. Uh, no, I think that the summer's just uh, just reaching its stride is the way I like to think of it. Hitting its peak. That, well, no, not even re- hitting its peak. It's just, it's it's finally up to speed, up to summer speed, and we're moving along. We're doing summer things. We're doing vacations. We're doing uh, the stuff you do in the summer. You barbecue, you hang out on the, uh, the back deck or whatever. Uh, summer has reached its stride. Well, speaking of summer, Jason, today is a very special day. Oh, is it? And now? it's going to be one that you're you're probably a little bit disappointed for have mostly missing by now. Well, I'm disappointed already. Today is Hammock Day. Hammock Day. Yes, Hammock Day. I so like if, Hammock Day. If you own a hammock, today is the day to use it. And, I do not own a hammock. And use it good. Do you own a hammock? No, I used to though. I mean, indirectly, my family used to have a hammock at the uh, summer cottage my grandparents used to own. Right. But that's long gone, and so is the hammock. So no hammock for us, but today's hammock day, and uh, it's a day where you can enjoy summer as it should be enjoyed, they say. People celebrate hammock day by spending as much time relaxing on it as possible. Apparently the hammock is uh, supposed to be one of the best sleeping contrivances for your back. Really, that nice gentle slope. That nice, nice gentle, gentle slope, curve. the swinging back and forth. It's supposed to be extremely relaxing and a great way to sleep. I don't know why we don't sleep in hammocks on a regular basis. I bet you there's somebody who does. Rigged oh, up I'm hammock sure. in their bedroom. Yeah. Wouldn't even be that hard. No, it wouldn't, but... Uh, a couple of I'd, hooks in the studs fantastic. big hammock. Well, it says here, getting out of your hammock to get a snack or your favorite summer beverage is okay, uh, but it's not a day for work. Cutting the lawn is forbidden on this day. Well... <laughs> I did work. I did not cut the lawn. There you go. So uh, half, half hammock day celebrated, done. Had you uh, spent the day working while lying in a hammock, you would have been a little bit closer. My chair does, uh, my office chair uh, in my home office does recline, and I did spend a goodly portion of the day reclined. Okay. <laughs> well, you're close. You're close. You're With almost my there. feet up. Really? Yeah. That's a very it's, comfortable day. It's a very comfortable uh, way to work, I find. But And it's still, like, the whole thing reclines, not just the back. Mm-hmm. So when it does recline, the chair and the back are still at a 90-degree angle. So technically, posture's still not bad. Really? Right? Even though your whole body's reclined. My feet are up. I have a stool. Uh-huh. Right? So it's like being in a, in a, in a lazy boy, but with better posture. Boy, that's, not, that's a good chair. Well, it's an old chair. Well, but yeah, it works well, for me. So you practically did celebrate Hammock Day. Everything was there but the hammock. That's right. All right. Well, everyone, I hope you enjoy your hammock day. And uh, if you haven't gotten in a hammock yet, I recommend running out to the hammock district of your local town or city and purchasing one right now. Hammock Square. 
The Hammock Square. Go to Hammock Square and purchase a hammock. There you go. Or at least just try one out. All right, it's time for our listener email of the week, and I'm going to cheat once again. Not because it's a call this time, but because there's two. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's always a new rule. This is the section of the show there's where... There's no rules, man. Every week... No, there's got to be some rules. There's, no, there's there are rules. Guidelines. General guidelines. Well, I'm breaking the guidelines this time. You can't break a guideline. You just don't follow it. Well... All Close right. enough. I'm, I'm picking this. Let's move on to the listener uh, emails of the week. Marcus from Texas writes, uh, a few weeks ago we were talking about how the show should end, or a few podcasts ago. Right, right, right. Because who knows what the weeks are anymore. Um, and he writes this about how he thinks it should end. The government shows up to wherever the group is and saves everyone in a giant battle against the horde. Rick gets shot and wakes up in a hospital. There's nobody in the room, and he starts freaking out and runs out of his room and sees whomever is still alive in the waiting room. They tell him they are safe and that everything is okay. Everyone starts crying and hugging, fade to black. Then you hear gunshots and screams, and the image returns to people running around the corner being chased by zombies. You see the group fight out of the hospital and get into an RV. They drive away, and someone inside the RV asks Rick, What are we going to do now? Rick says, Survive. The end. What do you think of that? I'm conflicted about it. I actually sort of like it. I do like it, and that's part of the part of the conflict. Is I do like the ending. It does really does bookend the beginning. Exactly. Right? It calls back to the very beginning. Nicely. But those kind of uh, those endings of shows where they, uh, you know, they just continue on doing the same thing they've been doing the whole show, mm-hmm. uh, don't really appeal to me. So that that book uh, the bookend ending for this where he wakes up in a hospital and then he panics a bit but everything's okay i liked that part uh the getting in into uh, uh an suv and driving off because the zombies are attacking the uh, saved hospital uh, i'm not i'm not so sure about that part well it it starts the cycle again it right? does yeah that's the whole thing here you know he he's gone through all this already it's been however long and he's managed to survive the zombie apocalypse until the very end when he's saved but he's shot just like he was the first time he wakes up this time he wakes up to everything being okay until a few moments later when it's not and we start all over again yeah it's 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 a kind of a cool callback a cool cyclical type it is yeah. ending and I thought it was decent. Uh, it, you know, it 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 almost hints or pays some lip service to the whole idea that this is all a coma dream for Rick. Some people believe that's the case, right? Without that actually being the case, people that's really hate that idea. Yeah? Well, it's the, a, the coma thing. I mean, it's been done a couple of times, and uh, and everybody thinks that shows that end that way they want to throw rocks at. It, this isn't Dallas. This is The Walking Dead. It's. I mean, ever happened? Did that happen in Dallas? Well, somebody woke up and, and the an entire season was a dream. Oh, that sucks. On Dallas, yeah. yeah. I know I know Bob Newhart that happened, but that oh. was more of a joke than anything. Well, done for comedy value, that's different, yeah. right? Trying to play that seriously, that's a lot tougher. Nobody wants to see that happen on The Walking Dead, although a lot of people talk about it. Yeah. And uh, I guarantee you, Robert Kirkman's not going to go that way. No, he won't do that. I just, from what I know of the guy, I don't think so. So thank you, Marcus and Texas, for that uh, ending of the show. We'll see what really happens sometime down the line. Um, Brad from the internet writes in with more of a question, but he says, while things are quiet in the off season, I decided to watch Battlestar Galactica because you guys are always talking about it and it's pretty good. Since you're in the business, I was wondering if you knew of a podcast dedicated to the show. 
And I do have an answer, and that is that there's only really one podcast I listened to while I was watching Battlestar, and that was the official Battlestar Galactica podcast, right. hosted by Ron Moore, the show head writer and creator. He would sit down every week with his wife, usually, and a glass of scotch, and he would tell <laughs> you what kind of scotch it was, so you could play along if you wanted, and then he would watch the episode and provide commentary on it. And it was usually pretty entertaining because he had the most intimate kind of connection and insight with the show. Did you ever listen to it? Uh, no, I didn't even know about it. Oh, it was pretty good. Um, it, it was just nice to hear someone uh, associated with it saying, you know, talking about it because it's already happened and able to actually provide some information on how they came to certain ideas, you know, what it was like shooting it, that kind of stuff, you know. It was, did he, it was did he explain good. how... Uh, I don't recall. Um, I don't think so, but maybe it was in there. Sorry, somewhere. that might have been a spoiler. If he started watching Battlestar Galactica, I've now spoiled the whole thing. Well, in uh, I yeah. won't. I, Jason, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, you didn't have any Battlestar podcast you listened no, to? No, I didn't listen to any. The first television show podcast I ever listened to was for Lost. Yeah. Well, the official Battlestar Galactica podcast, it's probably still available on iTunes. I would say check it out. Um, and I'm sure there are fan casts out there, but I never really got into any at the time. Our advice, start one. Hey, that's a good idea grab, too. Grab your iPhone, press record, and make a podcast about it. If you're starting to watch it, I'm sure uh, somebody out there is looking for, you're looking for a podcast on it, start a podcast. Yeah, why not? I mean, it, it may feel a little bit late, but... Whatever. There's lots of people that could, you know, be into that. Right yeah, now. absolutely. Um, you know, we may, maybe it'll start a whole movement. Five-year-old podcasts for shows or something like that. Yeah, maybe we should do Gilligan's Island or something. <laughs> Five years, not 25. I think they're going to get off the island this week. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they will. You never know. But Wrong Way Melvin landed on the, on the, on the island. He's going to take them off, right? Wrong Way who? Wrong way, Melvin. Have I, you never watched the show? I, I have, but not very much of it. Oh, Little well, bits you, here. You and should there. watch the show. Oh, come on. I'm still working my way through WKRP, which I've seen a lot That's more. That's another of. one we should start a podcast on. I have seen a oh, lot more. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but I'm, I've, I haven't watched every single episode. I'm slowly doing that. And, uh, you know, I've, I've never seen an episode of Dukes of Hazard, if you can believe it. I, I mean, not a full episode. As a kid, I saw it on TV now and then, but never really watched it. Yeah, I just reject that outright. And I have, on the other hand, seen full episodes of um, Knight Rider. So I'm good with the Knight Rider. I'm not so good with the Knight Rider, oh, but I, we used to watch Dukes of Hazard religiously. Like It was every <laughs> week we watched that show. I was like that with Family Ties, of all things. <laughs> Family Ties was a good show. It was good. Every single episode saw it. Um, but that's neither here nor there. No, um, it is not. It is not. So start a Battlestar Galactica podcast. Yeah, yeah, start a podcast. Well, I'll tune in. Why not? Yeah, I'll listen to it. I've, been, right. I've been meaning to rewatch that, that series. I'd actually like to rewatch the first two seasons because those are the ones I powered through and don't remember very well at all. The second right. two seasons I've still got in my brain more or less. Um, but the first two are slipping. So if I'm going to go back to anything, it'll be the first half. Do it. Alrighty, that wraps up the opening part of the podcast. Uh, from here on in, we've got some Walking Dead news, and we are going to do our Walking Dead actor spotlight on Chad L. Coleman. Um, and the whole Walking Dead news segment this week is a little bit spoilery, and that is because we're talking. San Diego Comic Con just ended, 
and a lot of information came out, including the season four trailer, which we're going to totally break down, as well as the premiere date, things like that, and a lot of other, you know, in- interviews and just general information. So, you know, we're going to be talking about season four. There's going to be information in here that you may or may not want to hear. It's all out there in the public. So if you've seen the trailer or whatever, or you've been following along, it's not going to be anything new to you. But if you're trying to avoid all that stuff, this is probably not the best segment for you coming up right now. The Walking Dead News. All right, we're going to kick things off here with a call from Lewis in Tampa. Hey guys, I'm Lewis from Tampa. I just wanted to comment on the season four trailer. I thought it was absolutely epic. A um, couple of holy crap moments in there that I don't want to spoil for fans uh, of the show that are not fans of the comic. Uh, I love the pile of zombies underneath the car. That was awesome, but my all-time favorite, and I'm going to call them the moss zombie, which was a zombie at the base of the tree with a little fuss of grass or moss growing out of it. That was just awesome, the way that looked. Guys, you're doing a good job. You're well-spoken. See you around. Can't wait for the next podcast. Take care. Thank you, Lewis. So that was a couple of a uh, couple of things he wanted to call out there. Um, they're sort of yeah, sort of inconsequential in the grander scheme, but really great you know scenes. I thought the moss zombie, which is a good name. I think we should adopt that. It done. Moss zombie, and then the car being stuck in a pile of gooey zombies. I mean, that was awesome. Yeah, spinning its wheels. <laughs> All right, so the first thing to talk about here is we now know when season four is going to start. A date has been released. It has been set October 13th at 9 p.m., season four premiere. That's a Sunday, right? It is a Sunday, of course. Excellent. Uh, so that now gives us our deadline for our short story contest, which I didn't write down in front of me, but whatever seven days before that is. <laughs> well, it was 13 minus seven. Six. Day, very good. <laughs> Jeez. So the sixth. Yeah. That will be our deadline? I would assume so. Oh. Let me uh, let me just confirm that because uh, math is hard. <laughs> well, we just got to pick the exact time, that kind of thing. So it'll be like a midnight switch over kind of thing. We will get the exact date out there, ASAP, exact so date and time. Yeah. Yeah. The 13th is Thanksgiving here in Canada. The 13th? Yeah. Yeah, well, see, that's New York Comic Con, so that'll be Thanksgiving weekend here in Canada. I'm not going to New York Comic Con this weekend, mostly because of New York of, of Thanksgiving. Canadian Neither am I. Yeah. So whatever, we can celebrate Thanksgiving and zombies. I'm thankful four. for zombies uh, eating uh, human beings on television. Does that mean the Monday is a holiday for us? Yeah. All right, so we got to record a podcast on Thanksgiving Monday. Okay. You better You better prepare now for that. <laughs> As will I'll I. start cooking the turkey tomorrow. Good idea. Get it done early. <laughs> Get it done. Get it out of the way. <laughs> All right. So October the 13th, 9 p.m. Everything's happening on Canadian Thanksgiving this year. It's really screwing us over, but we will make it all work. Everything will be fine. Uh, so I'm going to kind of recap the trailer here. Okay. More or less. Four and a half minutes of it? Yeah. yeah four and a half minutes. Um, not maybe in quite as much detail as we do one of the episodes, but because we all know those take like three hours to get yeah. through. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we'll, we'll go through the trailer and then there's a bunch of talking points. I think we, we see in here. I've probably watched it 10 times, 10, 12 times. Maybe I watched it four times all this afternoon. Yes. Very good. Uh, so that's enough. That's enough to know what's going on. We start off, uh, Daryl Michonne and an unknown kid banging on the window of the big stop which we've talked about before. Walmart type thing. Former Walmart, yep. 
Uh, also there, it seems, is Tyrese, Glenn, and Sasha, and they're going on, I guess, a, uh, a run for some supplies. Yes. Um, now, one thing I should mention here, too, is as we know, these trailers often use creative editing to make it look like two people are talking who aren't really, or put scenes in and out of order, all kinds of wacky stuff. Yeah, they'll put in stuff from like National Lampoon's Vacation. Exactly, uh, exactly. American Pie. Wacky editing, just putting stuff in there. So, you know, when I first watched this, it opens with uh, Daryl and Michonne and the unknown kid at the window, but then we basically cut to them inside the store and Glenn is there and Sasha and Tyrese are there as well. Mm Mm-hmm. But it could, it, it doesn't even necessarily mean it's the same scene, right? Is what no, it I've, doesn't. What I've come to learn from watching these trailers. They're wearing the same clothes. Yeah, but they're wearing the same clothes for three episodes in a row. I mean, this is the zombie apocalypse after all. Yeah, you don't have a laundry, laundry service. No, you do not. At the hotel. <laughs> no. Um, the other thing here is Bob Stuckey is with them because he's standing guard outside. So Bob is clearly introduced very quickly in season four. Yeah. He's he's already there. Um, who knows where he came from? My first thought was like maybe this is the opening scene from season one. They're just on a run. Four. Uh, season four. Sorry, <laughs> it's not the season one all over again. No, no, that uh, that has to do with a gas station and a uh, zombie little girl. That's right. Um, and I thought maybe this was the opening scene, just kind of setting things up. You know, they're out on a run. They're getting supplies. Something sort of familiar to the audience. This is the kind of thing they have to be doing. Yep. Um, but then Bob is there, so I figure Bob's not going to be at the in the opening scene. They have to find him first. And, You'd think uh, maybe they're playing with time too. Maybe they'll jump back and show his uh, assimilation into the group later on. Eh, I don't know. I mean, new character to just show up out of the blue like that. I guess there's an unknown kid there too. Yeah. Who knows I, what they're going to do? You got to figure out. Figure he's one of the Woodbury people who's stepped up and is helping out. You know, raiding big big spot stores. I don't know. Right. Uh, but anyways, we see that, and uh, then we get a bunch of shots of uh, the prison showing what life is like there now. Yeah. And clearly some time has gone by because they've got rebuilt gates out of big metal doors, I guess, they've found somewhere that they open with a big pulley system. Yep. Um, they've got vegetable gardens, a pigsty. Uh, they've got sharpened wooden spikes. The only... What do you call those things? Stakes. Stakes. To me, they... They made me think of like big giant wooden caltrops. Yeah, sort of. Sort of. Like they sit there and, you know, you couldn't, well, caltrops are little things that you step on and yeah. puncture your foot. But, but they make big ones for tanks too, right? Are they called caltrops too? I don't think they're called t- caltrops. So big ones out of metal for tanks that a tank can't roll over, right? I think they're called tank traps. Okay. So these look like wooden tank traps to me. Well, they just, uh, I don't, I remember seeing these, like these were the ones right beside the gate, right? Yes. Okay, so they were just uh, there for uh, skewering zombies when they opened the gate. Skewering zombies, but also a human would have a hard time climbing over those. Oh, yeah, I would right? think so. Without hurting themselves if they were walking up to the gate. Well, so. I don't know if they'd have a hard time without hurting themselves, but it would take time, and that's the that's the important thing. That's key, right. But they've got all this stuff going on. Life at the prison looks pretty hunky-dory, more or less. Yeah, I was expecting a little more curtains on the windows, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it is a zombie apocalypse, Pop. not a... Uh, <laughs> A quilting bee, you know? Pies cooling on the window ledge. Oh, that'd be sweet. That kind of thing. <laughs> uh, none of that. I want pie now. But they've got pigs, man. they got pigs. Where did they get the pigs? Oh, you could find a pig. I guess you could Come find on. a pig. If you try hard enough. You just look around. There's a pig. 
It's <laughs> probably one in my backyard right now. There's more pigs than humans in North America, I bet. There's more chickens than humans. I know that, but... There's more sheep than people in Australia. I know that, too. Uh, New Zealand. Is that New Zealand? It's New Zealand that you're thinking of. Is there more kangaroos than people in Australia? That I do not know. All right. But it's New Zealand that uh, that is known for its sheep. Right. <laughs> I think cow. I think, uh, uh, like, the cow industry is pretty, pretty big you know, in New Zealand, too. That but, I do not know. But who knows? Who cares, really? <laughs> um, uh, the other thing that is uh, there is a lot of around the prison is zombies. That's true. So they have all this good stuff happening, and they seem to be okay. But we do get some shots with a shitload of zombies outside the fences, and they're using the whole spike through the fence trick a lot to poke them in the brain and then yep. clear them off a little bit. Um, a lot more zombies than we've seen around the prison in a long time. That's true. All of season three, really. Even when the governor let a whole bunch in there, it didn't look like there was as many as there are now congregating outside the gates. I think the governor is orchestrating that, <clears throat> somehow leading them in using his reverse scarecrow technology. Oh, yes, the reverse scarecrow. <laughs> he set one of those up outside the prison gate nobody noticed? I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, who Maybe knows? he's using uh, some kind of uh, horm hormone lure. Oh, they see. smell it. Not that they have a sense of smell, but... Well, they do. They smell people, remember? You coat yourself in guts and they don't oh, know you're yeah. there. They do. They can smell. Um, Maybe the governor just smells so bad as a human being <laughs> that he attracts zombies and he's been uh, leading them to the prison I think, through his own human body stink. Nah, I, well, if he smells like a delicious human, but if he smells so bad, they might stay away from no, him. No, but they would know the smell is human. Okay, maybe. Maybe he soiled himself and he's been sweating like a crazy person for a <laughs> long time and he just smells awful. I think maybe maybe he's just an especially pungent human being. Well, you man. know, yeah. Manly man. You can smell people when they, certain people when they get on the subway, right? Can you smell me right now? I can't smell you right That's now. That's good. Uh, can you smell me right now? No. I just had a shower, so. <laughs> good. Uh but, you know, certain people that get on the subway, they just, you know, like, holy cow, they haven't had a bath in a couple of years, right? So maybe the governor's using that as his lure to lure people to uh, to the prison. That's or just, zombies to the prison. That's just silly. Uh, but there's a lot of them around. Yeah. Now, something happens in cell block D, and it's attacked by walkers. Suddenly, all hell breaks loose, yeah. really. Uh, we see a lot of new people scrambling, running for their lives, including kids. And our main characters sort of show up and, and save the day to a, a certain degree. Um, but once it calms down, Rick says someone attacked the cell block. Maggie asks what happened in there, and he says someone attacked the cell block. Yeah. So this wasn't an accident. You would think that if if zombies got in there somehow, maybe someone left the back door open and zombies came in and there was a, you know a problem. But Rick clearly says we were attacked. So what does he mean by this? Who is attacking them? The uh, governor with his smelly armpits? Uh, the smelly governor, or maybe it was somebody internal. Uh, just went crazy. Like, there's a lot of opportunity for crazy people to go crazy and do crazy things. That's what crazy people do. Now, here's what Entertainment Weekly had to say in their recent issue. They had uh, they have a Walking Dead cover issue. Have you seen these? I have not. So Daryl's on one, Rick's on one, and uh, Carl is on one. There nice. are three different covers. And they've got a whole article about it here. And in the article, it says this. Uh, Our survivors will have a new internal threat to contend with. Producers are mum on the specifics, but it's a threat that will illustrate that, quote, nature is just as dangerous as the walkers and fellow humans, hints Galen Heard, producer. 
The new threat is something you can't just stab in the face, adds showrunner Scott Gimple. You can't talk, uh, talk sense into it. You can't make a truce with it. It's beyond all that. It would be a threat in any world, but in this world, it is much more terrifying. Virus? Well, this is what I don't haven't sort of figured out yet. It's not it's not a human it's not a rational threat. It's like not something you can talk to and reason with. So is it an idea? Is it a concept that people, you know, there's 50 people from Woodbury there and are they suddenly are some of them forming some sort of cult break off group cult thing? Gaius Baltar is there well, and he's uh, putting together a cult. Is it, yeah, like, is it something like that, right? Well, that's what I would think, is that an idea is uh, is something like that. Once an idea gets out, it's very hard to get rid of. You can't just stamp that out. Sure, but what kind of, like, idea would involve letting zombies in? Unless unless this splinter group is trying to eliminate the non-believers or something like that. Well, maybe the, uh, the zombies, maybe it's uh, kind of a, uh, just a, a religious... A, you know, quasi-religious thing where the zombies are attacking humanity for a reason. So maybe uh, being attacked by a zombie uh, keeps your body here, but your soul moves on to the next plane of existence, uh, whereas just dying by normal means does not get you there. Right. So, so I, these... I'm just thinking some kind of weird religious cult. So these people that are a member of this belief system... They they inflict this on others and not themselves. They they oh. believe they they may believe, uh, and I'm just speculating here, obviously. Sure. But uh, maybe they believe that uh, having the zombies attack people is saving them. Right, and at some point saving they themselves will be attacked and saved. Yes, but, for, but they have to do this first because right. they've been put on Earth to do the work of, <laughs> you know, having these zombie people Jesus. Saved. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody had to say it. Yeah. Uh, so might as well be me. <laughs> anyway, that's the only thing I can think of is that uh, you know an idea getting out is a very insidious thing and is very difficult to stamp out. The other thing that just occurred to me that is actually much simpler is that the source of this, uh, the source of whatever this is, is not an idea but someone unknown to them, someone who is not part of the group, who is right. external to the prison lifestyle. And he's essentially, Rick says we've been attacked. So if there's an enemy out there somewhere, you know, and it's obvious where we're going to go with who that enemy probably is, probably the governor, he's attacking the prison by, like we said, somehow luring zombies there and sneaking them in. Right. You know, if they still have that big uh, hole in the back wall of the prison. I sure hope not. It would be crazy to still have that. But they seem to have been focusing all their efforts on the other side. But you'd think uh, they would, they'd, work on the whole place if they can but maybe he's out there somewhere and maybe he's doing this and they can't reason with him because he's just not there right and rick somehow knows this and he that's why he says we were attacked or he's assuming that you know our gates are so good there's no way zombies would get in unless someone let them in well that's what i'm thinking place them there and, and i think it's internal so not governor internal yes all right cool. i can see that i mean 50 people is a lot of people to manage and keep happy. It is, it is. Right? There's always going to be someone who breaks off. Or it's a lich. Yeah, that's probably it. Uh, right, we're going to have a, we have a call now from Sarah in British Columbia. It's slightly long, but here are her thoughts on the trailer. 
Hi Chris, hi Jason, this is Sarah from Mission BC and I just finished watching the season 4 trailer and I have to say I'm pretty giddy right now, that looks amazing, it was completely epic. Uh, I just wanted to call it and give my two cents on what I think we might be getting into. Um, I think it's probably, you know, a page right out of the comic books with the killer on the inside and I, I don't think we're going to get any more inmates that are going to go, you know, crazy. So my theory is that there's either going to be a newcomer or a Woodburyan is doing these attacks. And that perhaps there is someone there that is still loyal to the governor. And that the governor is the one dictating the actions of this person on the inside. And with having that kind of outside control, the governor is managing to do way more damage than he ever did in season 3. And without anyone even knowing it. I think that would definitely be like the rise of the full-blown psychotic governor we know in the comic books. It also makes me wonder, you know, how personal these attacks may become because we see a lot of children in the trailer and we see like Carol sitting down and giving the kids a knives lesson. So I wonder if there's going to be a particular attack that brings on the need to train them. Like, you know, in the comic book, they had the beheading of those two girls. So I wonder if we're going to see any you know, child violence like that. I mean, we have Rick that, you know, killed Sophia and the girl from the first season, but those were mercy killings. And I wonder if we're going to have, you know, vengeful and targeted attacks on these kids, you know, hit them where it really hurts. But yeah, that's um, interesting to see what's going to happen in season four. And I, the, the new nameless black guy... I think he may be uh, the one doing the attacks because, you know, they showed him a little bit in the trailer and why would they do that if he was going to be like a background character. So he's either going to be a new good guy or he's going to be the bad guy. And um, he kind of looks shady to me anyways. <laughs> so that's what I think. Um, I'm really interested to see what you guys are thinking and what your opinions are and what's going to happen in season four. And um, yeah, I love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Bye. Thank you, Sarah. So she throws out kind of a an alternate take on the governor being involved in that he's got some sympathy inside the group, and somehow they're doing his bidding for him while he's out there. That's an interesting idea. A little tough to figure out the logistics of it, because how is he communicating with them? Yeah, what does so he got, on? a phone? Well, they might have walkie-talkies or something, but you'd think that would be tricky to, to pull off. But you know what? Maybe it's... It's a contingency plan that has been in place for a long time. You know, maybe someone on the inside had a an existing plan with the governor in the event that Woodbury fell or was taken over or something like that. Or maybe there's no communication whatsoever. <laughs> They're just doing it on behalf of the governor. Absolutely. Right? Like they, no communication is happening. No prior arrangement is, is in place. It's just I'm in, we're in this situation and the governor would probably want me to do this. Yeah, there's got there's potentially still some loyalty to him. You know, they must have said, well, the governor gunned down a lot of you in cold blood, but... You know, maybe not everyone has sort of heard that message or or maybe they just don't even know and they're they're acting because they think that's what they should be doing. True. To to honor his memory <laughs> or right. something like that. Uh, finally, Sarah, the unnamed black guy, I think she was referring to as Bob Stuckey, who is not the bad guy that that I know of. Right. He's he's part of the cast. He is from the comic. He was a big part of the second novel. And uh, now he's in the show. I don't think he has anything to do with it, but you never know. You never know. He is an outsider. Maybe the governor has planted him in there somehow. Could be. You know, you never know. 
Now, after all this, we get a bunch of scenes of people talking about being more careful and figuring out who did this, the attack, I guess. And we see a new location, the prison library. Yeah. We got a bunch of our characters sitting around a table in the prison library, which is, I'm, gl- I'm glad to see they've cleared that out because that provides enough, uh, you know, leisure time. You can go read a book or something like that. True. Libraries are very important. For sure. Also known as book museums. For, for mental state. Well, when you don't have TV or radio or anything else... Books are probably pretty handy. They are. Pretty I good. like books. Oh, yeah. I like books, too. But we have a lot of choices in our entertainment yes. these days. Competing for our time. Exactly. So we get some voiceover now of Herschel, Carol, and Daryl uh, talking about leaving and finding somewhere safe. And I assume this conversation was happening around that uh, library table while we're seeing other stuff cut into it. Yep. But the point is they were talking about leaving the prison because I guess this is the final straw and they don't feel safe there anymore, even after they've grown vegetables and herded pigs and stuff like that. Well, eventually they got to run. Eventually, I suppose. Um, This is about the halfway point of the trailer, by the way. Uh, All this has already happened. We get more Herschel voiceovers. He says, we've just lost 12 of our own, two in cold blood. Right. So 12 people killed in the attack, two people specifically murdered. Yeah. Right? Zombies don't kill people in cold blood. They kill people in hung- oh, blood. hunger. Yeah. <laughs> two in cold blood is murder. So we have an attack and a murder. We do. So the murder must happen from within. Oh, my goodness. Does it happen in the library? I wonder how they're murdered. <laughs> With a candlestick? With a candlestick, I bet. What's well, a prison. It's probably a wrench. It's probably a wrench or a lead pipe. Right. A lead pipe would work as well. <laughs> a lead pipe, maybe maybe even more likely. I doubt. I seriously, seriously doubt they have a ballroom. <laughs> There's probably not a ball, not a lot of balls going on in prison. At least not that kind of ball. Not in a ballroom anyway. <laughs> not in a ballroom. That's right. <laughs> um, so two in cold blood. Now, we should talk about this a little bit, and I'll, I'll throw out an, another spoiler warning here because this is related to the comic. In the comic, two characters are murdered in the prison by one of the uh, uh, one of the inmates yes. that are there. Yeah. All our inmates are gone on the show. They're all gone. That's true. Axel was the last of them, and he got shot in the head last season. Used as a, he- a meat shield. Used as a meat shield. That's right. Good times. So we don't have any inmates to commit this potential murder it was a double murder in the comic two people in the show apparently were killed in cold blood so i think we are going to be getting that storyline or some version of it in the tv show and it'll be herschel who did it um maybe he's the one who mentions it but probably it could be him I that's suppose. how clever he is oh he's he's crafty that one <laughs> <laughs> now while he's talking and doing this voiceover we see zombies uh, stressing the fences quite a bit to the point where it looks like they're going to be falling down. Yeah, the fence down. is coming down. And Sasha finds dead rats and thinks somebody was feeding the zombies to attract them. Well, they might might have been might have felt sorry for the zombies. I yeah, I, I don't. mean Herschel spent a good part uh, of his life feeding zombies, right? Mm-hmm. His family was feeding that barn full of zombies. Maybe the Woodburyans have uh, thought that, you know, they're hungry. Obviously, they're hungry. I don't think so. I think this all plays together to point out that somebody inside the prison is a saboteur. Yeah. For whatever purpose, I don't know. 
Um, but this person is murdering people, letting zombies into the cell block, and attracting them to the prison. Using rats. Using dead rats. Hopefully not a rat king. Uh, we don't want any rat kings. No. Um, that's what this all means to me. You know, I can't speculate on who it would be. I, I, I gotta believe that it's not one of our main characters. It's probably somebody new, somebody unknown to the audience, and maybe they'll play it like that for a while in the show where we don't know who it is either, and we're just as in the dark as the characters are. I think they will play it exactly that way. The audience may assume that it's the governor working outside the prison somehow. I don't think they're going to go there. I, If you ask me, my assumption will be that the governor doesn't show up until the season returns for the second half. Right. They're going to play that out a while. I think that whoever the saboteur is is working on behalf of the governor and thinks that they're working for the governor. I don't think they're in communication. I don't think the governor's behind it. Right. But I think that they're on the same side. Right. I, I That sounds like a pretty solid, solid theory to me. Um, now, after she finds the rat, uh, we get a scene of Glenn and Maggie talking privately in their room about leaving. And from what we see, it sort of sounds like Rick wants to stay at the prison, but some people want to leave. And there seems to be no agreement on what they should do anymore. Of we've, course not. We've kind of gone down this road before when they were... Um, when they were contemplating on what to do about Woodbury attacking them. Do they run? Do they stay to defend themselves and so on? So it seems like we might be treading the same ground here a little bit. Uh, if anybody had an idea and everybody agreed with them, it's like, yeah, okay, that's a good idea. I would fall over dead right then. <laughs> Let's hope that doesn't happen. Let's then. hope that doesn't happen, but uh, it, it's it's typical. One of the things you need in anything any in TV shows, movies, or even art is conflict. And should we go or should we stay is one of the more basic sources of conflict. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that it's in there a fair bit. And frankly, it makes sense in this world. I mean, you're in somewhere that's, you know, 70% safe. Well, there's that's pretty that's pretty safe overall. But maybe you could leave and find somewhere that's 80% safe. So you, well, maybe you the place know. is only sixty-eight percent safe. That's what I mean. You, it's if it's fifty, if it's sixty percent safe, that's okay. But maybe there's somewhere out there that's eighty percent safe, and you got to make that call of whether to stick with sixty or take door number two and go for eighty. Well, at that point, you have to try and gauge why it's not safe. Like, if uh, if we stay in any one location for a length of time, is it going to become this? Right. Because if that's the case, then why move? Because it's just going to be like this mm -hmm. uh, again. The only options there are either, uh, you know, shore up the defenses enough so we can take this situation that happens when you stay still or stay on the move forever. Yep. And it's a tough call. It's a tough call. You got to, yep. I don't know. I would be inclined to stay where you are yep. and try to make it better. The other, op the other idea is that uh, is this place not safe for a specific reason and if we go to another location that reason goes away or does it follow us there or does it follow us you there? never yeah. know so there's a, it's a whole decision tree you have to and, navigate and, through and that's why i'm seeing it it is kind of appropriate for a show like this right this yeah. is this is the kind of decision they'd have to struggle with now we get a scene uh, as i said of glenn and maggie talking about leaving and then we see Daryl on his motorcycle and at least two cars leaving the prison while Rick and Michonne stand there and presumably watch them go. They're going on a raid. It make, it, the, the creative editing made it yes. look like they were splitting up. No, this is probably them leaving to go to the big stop 
and get supplies. Right. So they got two empty SUVs and some people going to uh, to go to the big stop to load up on uh, potato chips and uh, sour cream. Yeah, and parasols. There Who you knows? go. <laughs> it's sunny out. What do you? <laughs> well, but immediately after this, we have a, a scene with Carol and Rick, and she says to him, "There's not a lot of us left." So, regardless of whether that was creative editing or not, it seems like they're telling us that at some point the group splits off, and some people decide to leave, and some people decide to stay. From... I think that's creative editing. You think so? Yeah, because I think there's not a lot of us left means the original group, right? Somebody was Shane's murdered. dead, and yeah. Otis is dead, and all these people are dead. Lori's maybe is dead. Lori's dead. The baby's still alive, yeah. as far as we know. Yeah. Um, Dale is dead. All these people, you're right. There's just not a lot of us left. So what you're saying is they're not telling us anything. No, they're just talking. Yeah, I think she's talking. About, I assumed she was talking about the original core group of people. Right. Okay, I, I could see that, and, you know, the, my new skeptical attitude is that's probably exactly what's going on here. Noah Emmerich is dead. Yes, that's right. Is it Carol? Not Carol. Jenner. Uh, Sophia's her? dead. No, the, the lady that stayed behind. Uh, Jackie. Jackie, that's yep. right. Jackie's um, dead. Jimmy. Mer- Merle. Jimmy. Uh, Herschel's wife. <laughs> yeah. They don't count, though. They weren't Jim. We forgot Jim. Oh, that, that's uh, actually who I meant. Uh, Jim. Oh, the guy really? in the tree, yeah, lined up against the tree <laughs> to be with his family. Yeah, Carol's husband, um, Andrea, Andrea, and her Andrea, sister. Andrea, oh yeah, Amy. So, all right, anyways, now that we've listed everyone who's dead. There's more dead people in the core group than there is living people now. Uh, that's true, that's true. I wonder if they're going to slow that down at all in season four. That'd Are we crazy. still going to keep losing core characters? No, we're going to keep adding core characters so that they can die. Right, but are we going to knock off Carol? Are we going to knock off... Uh, Carl, somebody who's really core. No, I don't. I think Carl. Uh, Herschel. Car, uh, Herschel's got to die this season. I sure hope so. Really? <laughs> Honestly, if, cruel, I gotta, if I got to be super honest, I, I I think it's his time to go. I think he should have died last season. Honestly. Yeah, I, I called it for last season, and I fully expected to see it happen, and then it didn't. So I kind of agree with you. Honestly, I think if anyone's going to be killed off, it's probably Beth. This season, oh, but I again, oh, I think Beth should survive. I want her to. I like, I like the character. I think Herschel like is going to sacrifice himself, and not the spur of the moment, chase me rather than her kind of uh, sacrifice. But I think he's going to do something grand and sacrificial to save uh, his daughters. Absolutely, I, I, I can't believe that hasn't happened already. Yeah, I think he's going to. Yeah, something. I don't. I have no idea what it could be. But it's not going to be a spur of the moment kind of thing. I think it's going to be something he specifically does and plans and sets out to do to save Right. Or, or provide some sort of benefit to the whole group. Right. But specifically his daughters. He's yeah. going to kill himself for the insurance money. <laughs> they and need that. The farm is yours now. <laughs> That's right. You can have the farm. You got to run it like a business, though. Yeah. So intercut here into the second half of this trailer is some kind of road trip taken by Daryl, Michonne, Tyrese, and Bob. Bob Stuckey. Right. And they're driving a Mustang or something, some semi-nice car. Yeah, a Mustang. At least it's dirty, If you're going to drive a car in the zombie apocalypse, pick something you like with a little bit of oomph. Yeah, if you're going to make a if you're going to drive a car in the zombie apocalypse, why not do it with some style? And pick and find the oldest car you can find. Old? A 1970s Chevy would be perfect. Those things will run forever, and if they break down, you can fix them. Okay. Do not get something with an electronic transmission. 
Yeah. Or some anything with a computer chip. More of a computer than a car. Yes. Yeah. Get a 1970s American-made car. That thing will run forever. Although I'm useless enough that I wouldn't know what to do if it broke down. Well, no. <laughs> well, no. But hopefully somebody around me would. Yeah. Uh, so they're on this road trip that we've seen a little bit in and out here, but we don't have too much information on it. Now, at one point, their car gets surrounded by zombies. They're not moving for some reason. They're surrounded by zombies, and it's so bad that they can't even drive. The rear tires are stuck in a big pile of corpses and just spinning in gunk, Right, which was pretty nasty. Um, and they decide they have to leave the car and fight their way through this big group of zombies. Now, a few amazing things happen in this sequence. If you ask me. Okay. One is they get out of the car and just go crazy and start killing, especially Michonne. She's got some really, really awesome katana work here. Yes. Uh, Head cutting off and just the way she moves with the thing. Clearly taking the next level in her, you know, katana wielding skills. Yeah, she leveled up. Absolutely leveled up. Um, And even Bob is pretty cool. And Daryl goes goes out the sunroof and is shooting people with the crossbow and then jumps down. I mean, that was awesome. All the while, though, Tyrese stays in the car. He looks he looks um, like there's something wrong, like he's not all there at that moment. And, you know, eventually he does get out and he starts hammering zombies, zombies but he gets surrounded really fast. He does. And he, it does not look good for Tyrese in no. that scene. looks dire. It's a dire situation. The poster we talked about last week seemed to depict this scene a little bit too him surrounded by zombies with little hope yeah um but he's he's hammering the crap out of those zombies so you never know he is this does call back for me to a scene from the comic that i guess i won't mention but this might be the tv show version of that scene in the Mm. comic we will see um but it looks it looks pretty hopeless for him. Another thing I noticed here is that when he does come out and he gets surrounded, Bob yells something. And again, could be creative editing, but it seems like he was yelling it at Tyrese. I couldn't make out what he said, but it sounded like either dad, like dad. It did, it did sound like dad. Or Chad, which is the real name of the actor. Which you'd think No, they wouldn't do that. That would it would be silly. There'd be con- there's continuity people on staff, right? They're going to say you called out Chad's name. What's the matter with you? You're supposed to say Tyrese, right? So it's probably not Chad. So is it is it his father? There's no way. Bob's too old, <laughs> I think. Could be. Here's the thing, though. For a long time, there was an urban myth that at the end of Return of the Jedi, when Luke. I think it's Return of the Jedi. Luke and Han have just blown up the Death Star. They're back in the Rebel base. They're getting out of um, out of their... Well, Luke's in an X-Wing, right? He's getting out of his X-Wing, and he's coming down, and he sees Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia, and he yells, Carrie! And you watch it, and it does kind of sound like he says her real name. And, you know, for whatever reason, it was left in the film, and it was never fixed. Now, I don't know what he actually says because it you can't really hear it. You can't really understand it. Right. But that's what I thought of when I saw this. Bob yells, Chad, like he just got the name wrong, and they just went with it. No. Not possible. No, right? they, no, it's not possible. All right. <laughs> so we don't know what Bob yelled. He yelled something. That just There's too many uh, hoops to fall through accidentally for that kind of thing to make it to a trailer. Well... Make it to a trailer, he's got maybe. A, he's, got, he's got to uh, perform the line wrong. 
Uh-huh. It's got to, uh, they've got to, uh, then the editor has to see that and put it into the trailer, mm-hmm. not thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Or, and then somebody's got to approve that. Maybe they were rushed. Maybe they're like, we'll fix it in for the episode. We're, we don't have time to fix it now. We can't get them back to do ADR until next week. No, there's too many, there, there's too many uh, checkpoints for that thing to ha- to, that to happen these days. All right. It's too obvious. Okay. So it's not Chad. Maybe it's dad. Maybe it's, fad maybe he's yelling dad to somebody else yeah his father just suddenly shows up maybe, maybe he sees his father as a zombie maybe his father's in an suv <laughs> he's in trailing one behind trailing one of them yeah maybe he finally meets up with his long lost father dad, dad oh my god it's you why did you attack uh tyrese my, my friend because chad you, you're uh you're a zombie now dad dad chad yeah chad meet dad right. okay who knows? We will find out. Maybe we'll never know. What we'll have to do is watch the episode, turn on the closed captioning, and see what he actually says. <laughs> oh, yeah, like those are accurate. Uh, they will be when they're released. It's no, closed captioning of the show. No, it's not that accurate. Have you ever watched closed cap- captioning while watching a TV show? Well... They're all in, they're all over the place. I have to sometimes figure out dialogue that I haven't been able to understand. Yeah, they're yeah, but they're not accurate. They drop words. They drop... Uh, they change meanings of Even things. when released... For like download on iTunes, they don't release yeah. accurate closed captions. No, they're they're wildly inaccurate in All my right. opinion. All right, well then I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so that's what happens there. We now we cut to the road trip group in a new location. Kind of looks like a hospital, maybe. Uh, and I think again, this is creative editing. This could come after the road attack or before. We don't really know. I think maybe it happens before, and the road attack is later on. I have I have a homework assignment for our listeners. What's that? And that that might play in here. If you notice in one of the scenes where they're they're all in a car, uh, Tyrese, his uh, left eye is swollen. Yes, it is. So, and I didn't get a chance to do this, and I meant to do this today, was to go back and see which scenes had his eye swollen and which ones don't, and that would give us an idea of timelines. Well, right after this, before the trailer ends, we do see some scenes of Rick and Tyrese fighting at the prison. Rick gives Tyrese that black eye. And uh, there was some tricky editing here because what they show is they show Daryl and Tyrese right in each other's faces. And you actually hear Rick say, you got to calm down. And then we see Tyrese, uh, I think we see Tyrese punch Rick at that point. But it's not Daryl and Tyrese. A lot of the internet thought Daryl punched him. Um, but it's not. It's because we see them right up close, and then the fight is actually happening between Rick and Tyrese. Um, as Rick goes down, you can see Daryl in the background, and I s- still framed it, and you could see another hand reaching in from the left. So there's at least four people in this scene. Right. Uh, one unknown. Um, but the point is there's a fight between those two guys, and that's where he gets the black eye. He gets the swollen eye, I assume. So I would, yeah, I just wanted to see if this was after or before the uh, uh, the the scene where he gets swamped by zombies. Um. No, well, it has to be before. The f- I mean, the black eye existed. What do you mean? Like the black eye, he had it in the car, and he then had he it had in the it. Car. He had it in the zombie swamp. Did he? Oh, God, well, I'm that's not... the question, okay, right? I... I didn't notice that. I wanted to go back and look at it to find out if if he had the black eye then. All right, I'm not 100% sure about that, but my linear brain was assuming that he was in the car, he got out of the car. If he had the black eye in the car, he would have had it outside the car. Yes. But I suppose there's a possibility that he didn't. 
Right, which is why I want to go back and find out what's going on. All righty. Good, good call. Good call. I got to stop thinking that they're the, the editors of these trailers are actually showing us anything meaningful. <laughs> right. They're not showing us anything linear, meaningful, or they're not telling a story. They're just showing uh, little vignettes of the season. Exactly. So I got to stop. I got to stop believing they're showing us even between edits. So you have a complete shot of something doesn't actually mean that that whole thing happened. It might still might be creative in some way. Yeah, absolutely. Different voiceover. For example, if your head is not facing towards the camera and if you do not see the lips move of somebody saying something, it probably or may not have may not be the dialogue that goes with that exactly it thinking back to the library scene where we get the conversation around the table intercut with other stuff happening yeah our stupid human brains automatically associate what you're seeing and hearing but it's probably doesn't really play out that way okay so this life. this is going to bite me in uh, in the ass but have you ever watched uh, are you familiar with the show uh the hills I am familiar. I have heard of the show. You heard of the show. Okay. I've never seen it. So my wife used to watch this show. Right. And so I, uh, I know who Spencer is. I know who uh, Heidi is. I know. It's unfortunate. Of, it really, really is. Okay. But this show used creative editing because uh, the the concept behind the hills was these uh, real life people that would follow them around and drama would ensue. Their life were lives were dramatic. They were kind of like Hollywood rich. Yes. Right? Beverly Hills kind of uh, rich kids. So uh, they had a lot of scenes where uh, there were awkward silences, like two people would be sitting in a, at a restaurant having lunch or whatever, and they'd be talking, and then somebody would say something, and then there would just be this shot of them in this awkward silence. Sounds like riveting TV. Uh, it was very weird. But if you <laughs> actually watch uh, the back of somebody's head while... Uh, during this awkward silence, right. you could see that they were talking. Right. So the awkward silences were put in. So Man. nothing in this show was real. Manufactured silence. That's right. Okay. So uh, just if somebody's... It, in order to believe that something actually was said and is in context, you have to see their lips move mm-hmm. and the scene... Uh, at that point, if uh, you can probably rely on that one thing between the edits happening. Right. But that's about it. Right. Well, it's, I uh, yeah, this isn't as bad as manufactured silence, but it's still pretty manipulative for the viewer. Yes. Right. The, the whole, the idea is not to show you stuff, it's to get you excited. Yeah, exactly. And it worked. Like, oh, I'm, I'm excited. Totally worked. I'm totally looking forward to this, uh, this show coming out. Yep. But uh, it's not, yeah, it's it, in no way informative. So the trailer ends... With the road trip group in their car, again, who knows in what order all this takes place, but suddenly they hear a voice on the radio. Right. Voice comes through the radio, and did you catch what it said? Uh, No. The voice said, sanctuary, those who arrive, survive. Oh. So, sounds like we've got another community being, uh, you know, thriving somewhere, and if you arrive there, you survive. Have you ever seen Logan's Run? Yeah, a long time ago. Okay. Uh, when you turn 30, the idea behind Logan's Run is when you turn 30, uh, you go to Sanctuary. Right. Sanctuary essentially and effectively means you die. Ooh, that's not cool. Yeah. So it's the complete opposite of what Sanctuary actually means. But so just because she said that on uh, on the radio, it might be an ominous place to go rather than 
uh, you know, a place where everything is peaceful and happy and they have uh, Apple Day where they make apple pies <laughs> and yeah. eat ice cream. Well, I guess Sanctuary might not be a happy place to go, but it's intriguing nonetheless. Oh, yeah. What could this be? What could it mean? Where could they be going? And, um, you know, are they going to try to go there? I think it's the USS Enterprise and not the spaceship. I think it's the aircraft carrier. The aircraft carrier. Yeah. Is there a USS Sanctuary? That's a good question. I don't don't, know. I don't know. All right. But that's the kind of place where you would go and presumably be relatively safe from zombies. You would. Eventually you'd run out of supplies, I guess, but. Well, you'd have, you know, aircraft carriers don't survive on their own. Right, they go with. They have whole battle fleets to follow them around. For sure. Right, and I'm sure they would include a laundry ship, and uh, <laughs> they don't include a laundry ship. They do their own laundry. <laughs> they do their own laundry. Right, but uh, they have other ships that uh, are supply ships yep. that are responsible for going and finding and managing supply. Yeah, supply chains. like the leisure ship where you can go play ping pong and. I think they all have uh, the, the uh, aircraft carriers do have their own malls and recreational areas. There you go. You can go barbers and buy a Big Mac and internet cafes. I bet you they have a McDonald's. You think so, eh? I can McDonald's. pretty much guarantee it. Wow. Someone let us know. Are there McDonald's on aircraft carriers? <laughs> One of McDonald's mandates I heard was that um, they want to have a restaurant so that no matter where you are in the world, you're always 15 minutes from a McDonald's. Nice. Now, they're probably not hitting that goal because there are parts of Siberia and, you know, the middle of Africa where there's probably not McDonald's for very long are stretches. They, uh, are, are they, is, is their mandate planet-wide? Well, I don't know. Or do they just mean in existence where humanity is, uh, you're within 15 minutes of a back. Uh, I don't know. It may even be only in urban centers. I'm not sure. Because we have, you know, the International Space Station. That does not have a McDonald's. Well, hey, man, if an aircraft carrier can have one, why not the space station? I think the, uh, where did I hear recently that a McDonald's <laughs> existed? I think it might be something like the Pentagon has a McDonald's. That doesn't surprise me. No, it doesn't surprise me. Not at all. Do you know what the, uh, there's a cafe right at the center of the Pentagon. You know what it's called? Uh, the, no, the Gr- point of origin. Ground zero. Really? Because that's where probably a nuclear missile is targeted. <laughs> Ground zero. Wow. All righty. Well, you learn something new every day. Sure do. So quick summary here. That's it for the trailer, by the way. It only took us an hour to talk about it or so. Yeah. (laughs) A four-minute trailer. We spend as much time on it as we do a whole episode. Well, there's a lot of information. What is wrong with us? There's a lot more information in a trailer than there is in in an episode. It's all jam-packed together. It's true, and we don't even know what was going on. Yeah. Anyways, quick summary. Here it is. So things seem to be going okay. They're growing stuff. They're eating pigs. Then the prison is attacked. Bacon. Yes. That's a survivable zombie apocalypse if you can find yourself a source of bacon. Absolutely. So things are going okay. Prison is attacked. People start leaving in groups, but not all at once. Rick and Tyrese have a fight. Michonne, Tyrese, Bob, and Daryl go on a road trip, and then they hear a voice on the radio. That's kind of the summary of the trailer for me. That happened to me a little while ago. All of those things? Well, no, not just a road trip and heard somebody on the radio. Oh, good. I'll be doing that soon, too, myself. Now, I got a bunch of other notes and observations here, some that I've gathered from the internet, some that are just sort of my own, but there's a lot of other things that people have noticed in here. All right, talk twice as fast. I will try. So last year, when they released the season three trailer, it was revealed that all the footage came from the first three episodes. Right. And that kind of makes sense based on the shooting schedule starting in May, Comic-Con being now in July. So there's only a couple months in there for them to actually shoot stuff, and they seem to do the episodes more or less in order. Mm-hmm. So they've only shot the first three or four. So all the stuff that we saw in this season four trailer 
maybe first three, maybe four episodes. I would agree with that. Um, now, I was thinking, another thing here I was thinking while I watched this is that it seems like they're wandering farther and farther away from the comic. And I felt like last year, the, tra- the season three trailer did kind of the opposite. It made us think, well, we're going closer and closer to the comic with the governor and Woodbury and all that kind of stuff, right? This one, almost everything in here felt new or not comic related. Not everything. There were a few things that I noticed from the comic book, but I got the opposite feeling here, like we're moving away. Good. However, (laughs) Robert Kirkman said this at at Comic-Con this weekend. (laughs) He says, we are definitely going in some new directions, and this will continue to be a different take on the material from the comics. But there will possibly be some scenes that are a little bit closer to the comic than we've done in the past. Season four probably has the most number of scenes that are adapted directly from the comic series or very close to what we did. So there you go. I got the totally opposite feeling from this trailer. It's misinformation too, right? Like he he has a vested interest in uh, misdirecting people. Absolutely. Uh, And now an email from Kevin. Kevin in Chicago sent us an email, and he sent in a a bunch of um, possible relationships between Carol uh, characters, including Tyrese and Michonne, Daryl and Carol. And then he finished with this bit, which I, I thought I'd read. I just really don't want to see an entire season about Rick trying to bring Carl back to humanity. I think Mazzara was so close to destroying this series that they really need to call back to the comic to get it on the right track. But either way, I'm excited for season four, and I believe in Scott Gimple. So, well, that's nice to hear. He's looking for closer to the comic. Kirkman is saying we're going closer to the comic. I feel like those guys are crazy, but we'll all find out starting in October. All right, Gimple's the man. Gimple may be the man, you know. I'm, I'm Let's start- hope he's the man. I, I am, hope he's the man. I am starting to feel more and more like he will be the showrunner that takes this show into its glory days. You that, know, that would be awesome. We've had some good stuff in three years, um, but there's been up and down and rock, some rocky times, ups and downs and things all over the place. Yeah. Gimple might bring it all together. That's what I'm hoping. Let's have hope. Either that or he'll do the next 16 episodes and then be fired. <laughs> Right. Uh, okay. Or fired after four. Maybe he just got fired and we'll find the news out. You know, they'll release it on the wire first thing yeah. in the morning. Maybe he's fired already. Yeah. <laughs> He'll do four episodes. Yeah. Uh, okay. So not a single shot of the governor. Not really even a mention of him in this trailer. Oh, yeah. He's not coming back till later. That's what I thought. Very little Carl in the trailer. He looked bigger. Oh, he's way bigger. He's 14 in real life now. Yeah. Apparently his voice changed too. So we could get all grown up Carl yeah. this season. Well, you said very little Carl, so I thought maybe oh (laughs) see where i was going there uh not very much not very many (laughs) shots of carl in this trailer right and very little carl slash rick relationship stuff because we figured that's going to be a big part of the season and i think it is but i guess that's boring to show in a trailer you know father and son sitting down having a heart to heart yeah i mean kids around that age also get a little bit uh ornery sure might not want to talk to his dad very much who does uh, maybe Carl is the one who's stirring up shit in the prison. No. No? No, he, everything he did, no, it's not possible. Everything he's done, the crazy shit was, uh, to protect people from zombies. He's not going to, you know, foster zombie attacks. Except that he was unhappy with all those people showing up to prison. Maybe he wants to get rid of them. No. Thin the numbers a little. I don't think so. We will see. You think he's a serial killer? Well, that would be something. That would be something, all right. Um, the Walking Dexter. 
Yeah, there you go. Dexter's been pretty good this season. Whole different podcast. Uh, we had scenes of Carol teaching school. One scene, I thought, anyways. Nice school. I, I thought was interesting. Today, we're talking about knives yeah. she started with. Uh, I saw four kids in that class. Was there any adults? Nope, okay. only kids. All right, so nobody's taking the knife advanced class. Nobody's taking knife 101, no. Um, and here's something that the internet was going bonkers over bonkers? since this trailer was released. Every shot of Herschel, he's got two legs. Uh, I noticed that he put his weight on a second leg, so he's got a prosthetic of some kind. They must have in fashion some sort of prosthetic, exactly. Either they've made one for him so he can walk normally, or maybe someone from Woodbury came, had a prosthetic leg, they died. That doesn't work. That doesn't work? You can't... No, they're specifically cast. Oh, come on. If somebody zon- from Woodbury had a a, a, a prosthetic leg... That was from before the zombie apocalypse. It would be completely and utterly specifically tailored to that person. The fitting of sure. where where the amputation was. Okay, but are you saying one hundred percent incompatible with another person? Like if someone lost their leg at just below the knee at the shin, and that's where Herschel's was cut off. You don't think they could just rig it somehow that he could at least stand up on it? All it is well, the, is a, the fact that he's up and around after losing his leg so quickly is completely irrational too. Because well, yeah. putting your pressure on a uh, on a on a limb that has been cut off, uh, it's going to be extremely painful, right? Yes. Unless it's completely you know tailored specifically to you. It's not like you just nail a board to the bone and away <laughs> you go. I realize that, but a lot of duct tape can do wonders yeah it would be very 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 painful to have any prosthetic other than your own so uh he he's a farmer and an old farmer he probably has some whittling skills he probably whittled himself a prosthetic leg <laughs> you, out of an oak branch and you think that would work better than an actual prosthetic from another person yes because wood you can whittle with a knife a prosthetic is made from titanium and molded plastic right uh, it's very hard to work with that using the tools and materials they have available to them. All right. So I'm more inclined to go with a wooden prosthetic that has been whittled by an expert okay. than a prosthetic uh, titanium uh, sh- you know, shaft that uh, somehow you attach to the bottom of your leg. Okay. The most important thing here is that everyone can calm down. It's not that he has both his legs back. Oh, it's yeah. That or he's the got... other way is he grew it back somehow. That's not happening. So he's... Uh, so he's got a prosthetic that they've built somehow, yeah. not stolen from somebody else. I can think of a couple of ways for uh, him to grow that back, but they all involve uh, either sci-fi or fantasy novels I've read in the past. Sure, and that's not happening in this world, I don't think. Now, speaking it would of, be cool, though, but yeah, it's not happening. I guess so. But speaking of the internet going crazy, there is one scene, a quick shot in the trailer, that seems to have Beth cozying up to Daryl a little bit. People didn't like that. They're like, Daryl is Carol's. <laughs> Yeah, it's, Not she's, a, she's a little young for Daryl, I think. A, a little. She's 17 on the show. She might be 18 now. So, uh, oh, yeah, it's fine then. Yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I jumped the gun there. Um, yeah, yeah, a little bit, but hey, whatever. Um, let's see. There's a young girl that makes a couple of appearances with Carol. At one point, they hold hands. I wonder. I wondered to myself if they could be reintroducing sort of a mother-daughter relationship for Carol Probably. here. Probably. You know, she's got the new Sophia. Yeah. Um, uh, Michonne's rainbow cat makes an appearance. She's sitting in her sitting in her room. You can just see it. Oh, that's uh, nice. Back behind her a little bit. It's that's there. Nice. And then Michonne at one point is looking at a map when everyone's talking about leaving and where should they go. Yep. There's a close up shot of her finger on the map pointing to uh, Macon, Macon or Mason. 
Macon. M A C O N. Macon. Macon, Georgia. D. Does this ring any bells for you? Uh, I know where it is. Macon is the town where Lee from the Telltale game is from. Right. And that's that's mentioned. That's two where or three, I knew it knew knew it from. Mentioned two or three times in the video game, and now she's pointing to it on the map. Interesting. I don't think there's going to be a video game TV show crossover. I think it's probably an Easter egg for those who are paying attention. But if you aren't paying attention and you're listening to this, now you know. Yeah. So there you have it. Uh, that's everything. Everything else, anything else related to the trailer you wanted to Well, maybe Macon is where they got the bigs. Pigs. Macon bacon. Yeah, they got the bacon from Macon. <laughs> that must be it. Why not? <laughs> All right. I got one more call from Adam in New Jersey, and then we'll move on. Yo, this is Adam from New Jersey, and I can't wait for The Walking Dead to return. I love the trailer scene. The only problem was there was no governor. There was no governor. I was disappointed, but I can't wait to, for the season to return. It's 83 days, 22 hours, 59 minutes, and I can't wait. I love The Walking Dead. And where was the governor in the trailer? I know he probably looks somewhat comic scene, so I can't wait. Thanks, guys. Peace. That's a very specific countdown to when the show returns. Yeah. And no longer accurate. But thank you, uh, Adam in New Jersey. We can tie down exactly when that uh, call was made. We probably could, or I could just look up when it came in. <laughs> Either way. When did it come in? I don't know. I'd have to look oh, it up. Oh, you'd have to look else. it up. I yes. thought you maybe you had written it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Uh, all right. I got a few more news items here. Um, so San Diego Comic-Con happened, in case you hadn't yeah. re- noticed. There was a bunch of panels. There was a TV panel for the show. There was a 10th anniversary Walking Dead panel. And uh, I'm not going to go into great detail on what happened on each one, but here's a few interesting notes that I thought were kind of fun to relate. Uh, Andrew Lincoln noted in one of the panels that the new season will reveal why the group decided to stay in the prison instead of moving to Woodbury. Something something we've wondered. Uh, Kirkman cited the governor's whereabouts as one of the big mysteries of the season. Right. So they're going to play that out for a while, for sure. Or one of the big who cares. Uh, Could be. I don't know. (laughs) I think a lot of people probably care, though. I don't really. Where is he? What's he doing? Who's he with? Yeah. Um, Unless he's building a uh, a thing like from Mad Max, I don't care. He like probably a, is a big tanker truck that he's going to attack the. If you were writing this thing, that would have happened a long time oh, ago. Oh man, Thunderdome! Bring there on the Thunderdome! <laughs> Kirkman about Andrea's death said, "That death is going to loom large over the entire cast. Everyone is still reeling from it. Michonne, in particular, is going to have quite a bit going on with it because of that loss." As we meet Michonne coming back this season, she's on a mission to hunt down the governor. It's something she's obsessed with. Nice. So <laughs> there's a lot of conflicting information here. It's going to be a big mystery, but she's hunting him down. You never know. Well, that's the mystery. That's why we That's why we care is because she's going to be looking for him. I wonder if that'll be kind of a subplot that weaves through the entire season. Her be, like going cool. out looking for him. Um, and finally, Robert Kirkman, uh, when asked about whether there will be more webisodes, he said... I think there might be, but don't quote me on that. I think it's too late. I feel like I might be announcing something I'm not supposed to. <laughs> uh, and he quotes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> don't quote me on that. Where, where is their journalistic integrity when someone says, don't quote me on that, and it appears in print? I'm not a journalist. No, not you, but oh. the person that reported it. I assume that he didn't say it to you. Oh, no, he didn't say it to me. So I'm re-reporting. It, yeah, that's fine, but uh, just the journalistic integrity of uh, this is off the record, but blah, 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 and then they print it? He said it in public at a panel. 
So he was joking around, as he's known to do. (laughs) All right, that's fine. (laughs) Anyways, uh, so there's going to be new webisodes. That's what I take away from that. Well, yeah, of course there is. Why would they not do new webisodes? That'd be dumb. That would be dumb. Uh, All righty. David S. Goyer. Do you know that name? I know a David, and I'm familiar with the letter S. (laughs) (laughs) He is a director, but mostly a writer, and it's been announced that he will be directing uh, the second last episode of season four. Now, David S. Goyer, he said, I'm doing a Walking Dead this year, the penultimate episode of the season. I haven't gotten my script yet. I heard it's an episode where something really bad happens. (laughs) That's what he said. (laughs) Now, in case you're wondering, Goyer um, has been around. He hasn't directed too much, but he's written a ton of stuff. He directed The Invisible and The Unborn, two movies I haven't seen. Uh, but you will recognize some of his writing credits, such cool. as Dark City from 1998. Remember nice. Dark City? Yeah. The, the, all, the entire Blade series, which is good and bad. It has its moment. Hey, there was, Norman Reedus was in uh, one of the Blade movies. Was he? Yeah, he played a vampire in like the third oh, one. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I've seen the third one, but not the first two, I'm ashamed to admit. Uh, Goyer also wrote uh, Nolan's Batman series, all, oh, three, yeah. all three of them. Jumper. Remember Jumper? I do remember Jumper. It's an unfortunate adaptation of the uh, book that I really liked. Man of Steel and the sequel that they're working on now, Man of Steel 2. Is that what it's called? No. No, I hope not. No, you know what it actually is? It's going to be a Superman-Batman movie directed by Zack Snyder. So uh, Man of Steel was a giant um, disappointment for me. To you, yeah. To me. So I'm, I'm kind of not so excited anymore that this is what's... Zack Snyder's going to be doing now. But we're not talking about that right now. Well, I'm super excited. I was speechless there. I couldn't talk. Superman, Batman, I think that'd be great. They're doing Superman. The concept is fantastic. I, I did, okay, really quickly, I did read about the panel that this was announced at, and um, the person who was there relating it said it was one of the loudest explosions of of cheering and applause I've ever encountered yeah ever no doubt. seen because they showed some superman stuff up on screen the superman logo comes up and then slowly the batman logo right on behind it people went bonkers i'm sure there was people crying oh probably there was a lot of fanboys crying in that audience Absolutely. like openly weeping i bet and i i i understand that i think you know superman batman will be i hope it'll be amazing but I was a little let down by Man of Steel, so I'm, my expectations are lowered. But I also want to say that he... Uh, yeah, but you haven't seen Braveheart or Fargo. No, but I've seen Man of Steel, so I can comment on that. Yes. Um, okay, flash forward, and uh, he did some flash forward, and he did, or he's working on a Justice League, the Justice League movie. Right. <laughs> if I could get that out. So he's written a lot, a lot of stuff that yeah. you know, I've seen. Anyways, he's going to be directing the second last episode of season four. Something bad happens. Something bad happens. Maybe we'll get a spider in the third act. A spider? A big giant spider. A the... big brown recluse take a bite out of somebody? Not like a mechanical spider. Oh. In the third act. One of those. Yeah. That's bad. <laughs> Finally, <clears throat> do you remember when we talked about the Walking Dead porn parody? I sure do. Well, it's been posted on YouTube minus the sex scenes. <laughs> so Why not? So, Leave it to YouTube. So there's like Four, it's in three or four parts. And there's a point to this because... And it's the whole movie retelling the Walking Dead story, but they cut away when people start doing it. Um, in their place, there are title cards that say things like, Zombie gives Rick a blowjob, or Hardcore Zombie Threesome with Daryl. 
<laughs> so you have a bunch of acting and then a title card that says hardcore three zombie threesome with daryl and then it goes away and a bunch more acting. and youtube allowed this without copyright infringement i don't know maybe it was posted by the production company because that's an awesome idea i think they should do that with all porn <laughs> well not all of it i watched a little bit of it but and the, the story you know plot-based porn because they have right. they have gonzo which is just you know uh, casting couch kind of things yes that, that really doesn't have any plot no you if you cut the sex out of that there'd be nothing left right but this has a whole story a whole plot line yeah, characters yeah. acting deliver you know dialogue it has all that plus sex intercut okay maybe for the next podcast we should uh, one of us watch <laughs> the youtube version and the other one watch the actual version <laughs> and we'll compare notes <laughs> I'll okay fl- i'll flip you for watching the youtube mm. version <laughs> All right. <laughs> Very good. We'll do that off the air. Uh, anyways, if you want to find that, go to YouTube and search for Walking Dead Porn Parody. I think you'll find it there. It's good for a laugh. It is good for a laugh. I'm sure. <laughs> All righty. We'll take a quick break, and as soon as we come back, we are going to do our Chad L. Coleman Walking Dead actor Do we have time spotlight. for this? We've got time for it. we got time. All right. Um, we'll be right back with that. For you, the listeners of The Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial, so you have the chance to check out their service. Now, Jason, normally I ask you for a recommendation here, but a listener sent one in this week. I got. No, I haven't listened to Audible uh, Sorry, in a, in a little while, but you kind of focused on a podcast. Well, you've been missing out, but Kathy from Oregon, uh, technically this isn't a recommendation, but it is available on Audible, and I thought I would throw it in there. She says... Have you read Night of the Living Trekkies? It's one of my favorite books. Zombies and humor and action and Star Trek. I'm not a Trekkie, but it didn't really it really didn't stop my total immersion into the story. It's pretty short, so you can read it in a day, great for a plane or train trip, etc. It's smartly written with lots of tongue-in-cheek memes and tropes to enjoy. Lots of action from the start, scary and funny, with dare I say, a hint of romance thrown in for good measure. A perfect book perfect book that and that's called night of the living trekkies if you want to get that it comes in at six hours and 41 minutes nice Short, quick yeah listen if you want to pick that up head over to audibletrial.com slash talking dead that's audibletrial.com slash talking dead for night of the living trekkies or any other free audiobook
All right, and we're back. It is time to blow through our Chad L. Coleman Walking Dead actor spotlight. We've got a bunch of stuff to talk about here, so yep. we are going to go through them as fast as we can, but not uh, so fast that we provide lip service to them without actually saying anything of value, right? That's the plan. <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> That's the current thinking. All right, so why don't we do them in the order I've got them here? I don't know what order you wrote things down in. We'll see. On your paper notes. I may be able to jump around your without too much... Uh, your analog Dizziness. notes. You got enough light to read over there? Yeah, I got plenty of light. All right, good. Um, I hate my teenage daughter. Okay. So this is the first thing, uh, this is the first one we're going to talk about. It is a sitcom. We watched the first episode of the first season. Situational comedy. I'm pretty sure it was canceled. Oh, thank God. Um, <laughs> probably shortly into its first season. It starred Jamie Presley. Yep. Someone else. A couple of women who play the teenage daughters that they hate. Yep. And Chad L. Coleman as the neighbor's husband ex-husband ex-husband but seems to be hanging around a lot well yeah because he's provides the humor for divorces so here's what i have to say (laughs) (laughs) that's right because they're funny here's what i have to say about this uh it was your typical stupid laugh track sitcom first of all it's the first thing i thought um and it has the same problem that a lot of things shows like this have whereas the adults in the show are as dumb or dumber than the children yes sometimes shows rely on the wisdom or the insight of kids in a in a good and effective way, far too often shows rely on it for ridiculous comedy. And I just never find that works very well. I just, uh, I, I didn't uh, look too deeply into this. I, I like Jamie Presley on My Name is Earl. Yeah. And I think she even won an Emmy or two for that role. This is not like that. This is not like that. I liked her in My Name is Earl. This, I did not like her in. I did not like this show. No. I thought it was crap. I thought that uh, Chad Coleman had a good line at one point near the beginning. Oh, he had a good line at the end that I even wrote down. Uh, so the one at the beginning, uh, Jamie Presley said to her neighbor that was his ex-wife that uh, you're something like you're a stupid whore or oh, you're, yes. you're a dumb whore with whatever blah, blah, blah. And they both laughed about it and said, oh, sure, you laugh when she says it. Right. That was a good line. <laughs> That's funny. The one I noted is right at, right at the very end, the neighbor, who is his ex-wife, is just murdering a pie. Yeah, she's, she's eating yeah, it like yeah, crazy. plowing through a pie. Everybody comes in and they're all arguing. <laughs> and then on top of it all, you hear Chad L. Coleman yell, good Lord, woman, you're covered in pie. Yeah. <laughs> and I laughed. That was good. That. It was good delivery. Uh, I thought the camera did a stupid thing to focus on that line. Like it actually, everybody was arguing, but the camera kind of tightened in on Chad L. Coleman to make sure. That's kind of that, why it was funny, though. Oh, I did. I thought that it might have been just funny if they just, uh, you know, had it as the whole scene. And it was just, when people talk over each other, it can be kind of funny. Yeah. So. Well, the other two lines I wrote down here is, uh, the neighbor's name is Nikki, by the way. And she's relating <laughs> a time in high school where there was, um, I guess she was a little overweight. Yeah. And they filled her locker with uh, chicken legs, and they called her Kentucky Fried Nikki. That's, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. You know, I guess. In a TV show. Probably not so much for her in real life. And then finally, um, uh, Jamie Presley's ex-husband shows up, and he says, Me? How can I be a bad parent? I'm never even here. <laughs> right. Right? I mean, that was sort of hilarious. The only thing that I liked about this show that was of any any good other than those funny lines is that Kevin Rom was in it. He's Ted on Mad Men, and that guy's always good. Oh, yeah. I knew I recognized See? him from somewhere. He's always pretty good, so yeah. I did I did take note when he showed up. And he actually was the only one who kind of acted well, I thought. Everyone else was just, like, delivering ridiculous lines about, you know, 
that were totally unrealistic. Yeah. Overview, dumb show, got canceled, surprise it got made in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Really. The Gilded Six Bits, short movie yes. from uh, um, a long time ago. 2001. Well, not, not that long, 12 years ago. I didn't make a lot of notes on this. Uh, the only thing, well, it's from 12 years ago, as you said, but it looked like it was 30 years old. It looked like it was that old 80s or 70s film grain well, style. Well, I thought they were going for a streetcar named Desire kind of feel. Oh, that's a good call. That didn't occur to me. But I think, yeah, they must have been going for that sort of thing because it really looked older than it should have. Well, yeah, I thought, it, I thought it had that certain kind of feel to it where it was just kind of bare, uh, very stark mm-hmm. kind of movie, uh, obvious sets. Yeah. But it looked like a stage play that was just filmed. Yeah. Which is, you know, very streetcar named Desire. That's true. Uh, so uh, I thought it was a style that they were going for rather than, uh, you know, just kind of crappy student movie. Yeah. Well, and that's sort of how it <laughs> came up across. Yeah. You know, it's the story was Chad um, plays a guy who's happily married to his, his wife until some big player from the city comes in and opens an ice cream shop. <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was a creamery or something. Yeah. Like that. It was like a cream shop. That and was he, the big thing. Yeah. And he's like the big, you know, he's a big city rich guy. Yeah. He's and, got the nicest clothes I've ever seen on someone's back. <laughs> and his wife, Chad L. Coleman's wife, ends up uh, sleeping with this dude. For some reason. For some reason. It, it came out of it, nowhere. Yeah, it just really didn't make sense. And then she said, you don't it's, you don't love me anymore. Right. It's like that totally was not there. It no. was simply not there in the story. He seemed like the happiest, most in-love guy you've ever met, right? Yeah. You know, buying, like childlike almost, right? Yeah. Now these people, I thought, the, I thought at first, uh, for some reason I thought that they were just kind of courting and that they were just kind of lovey-dovey because that's they were what recording. it felt like. But no, they were actually married. I'm like, well, that's nice. And then she sleeps with someone, someone else for some reason. Yeah. And then comes up with, "You don't love me anymore." It did not merit that. I think the for the for some reason was that she was seduced by like the rich city man. Oh yeah, like she's a complete idiot and has no say in the matter. Well, no, but it takes place in the 30s. So I don't know. Maybe it was like that back then. He I opened a creamery. Doubt it. He's the ice cream shop guy. Come I on. think maybe men thought that in the 30s, but uh, I don't think it was. It, had any actual bearing in reality so this this short movie was based on a book and so i get the feeling there was all probably a lot left out in the making in this adaptation yeah that's why there was very little there and the only other thing i noticed about it was that um uh okay so we'll we'll reveal who's gonna go watch this now we reveal in the end they sort of make up and get back together and they go back to their old lovey-dovey ways once he finds out the baby's his uh, yes, that's right. There's the baby. He finds out it's his. That's right. Um, and then there's a scene with them in bed, and Chad Coleman has got a completely hairless chest. Did you notice that? No. I don't think hairless chests on men, unless it was completely natural, was really a thing in the 30s. It's more no. of a thing right now. <laughs> so yeah. it distracted me. I was I was a little distracted. And only by if you it. really want to get oiled up. Uh, <laughs> right. I don't think they were doing that much in the 1930s. No. Um, so it distracted me. I was a little little confused by his baby smooth chest there. The best thing about this uh, this short for me was uh, the morning after she slept with uh, the, the, the city folk guy, the city guy. Yeah. Uh, she said, are you hungry? I didn't know you were hungry. And she goes to light a fire. And she takes two big logs, throws them in the bottom of the fire, lights a match after like three or four uh, strikes, throws it in and slams the door shut. And that fire is just going to burn like crazy. It's like that's the worst <laughs> fire lighting I've ever seen in any form whatsoever. 
Well, no I, kindling, no paper, no nothing. Just two big logs and a match thrown in. Maybe they were really, really dry. I didn't notice. It, yeah. Anyway, it's funny. And the door didn't even close all the way. It was, no. It was so the Gilded Six Bits, I mean, it was okay, but there wasn't much to it, and it didn't make a whole lot of sense. I didn't get, get I just didn't get the point of it, really. Yeah. Um, other than don't take your wife to rich guy ice cream shop, because she might end up with them. Because they're players over there. Oh, yeah. You got to watch it. The Green Hornet. <clears throat> green Hornet. The Green Hornet. So, Classic cinema. Uh, I didn't like this movie very no, much. Oh, it's a horrid movie. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far, but uh, I had some issues with it. So, Really? Was there any redeeming factor in this movie? What was, what so, was rede- Hold on. So Seth Rogen is the son of a rich uh, newspaper tycoon. Right. The newspaper tycoon gets, his father gets killed and he becomes the green hornet to uh, you know fight bad guys basically right a little bit of a batman story going on here sort of yeah and he partners up with kato a guy who works for his dad some doing something he's a mechanic who also makes him he, his he tea. makes the coffee yeah coffee or whatever and partners with him because he's some kind of mechanic tea making ninja basically uh, and they, yeah he's a genius super and they, genius and they go out and and fight crime rather poorly and they get involved in a whole drug lord plot line trying to take down the drug you know the drug industry in uh la i guess yeah so that's the plot more or less kind of dumb I, I i have no familiarity with the green hornet as a character before this or, Me neither. or the, i've heard of him that's about it now there was something that bothered me though at the beginning of this movie so the first time they go out um, not really intending to be the Green Hornet and superheroes, but they end up being chased by the police and uh, driving like crazy to outrun the police. Uh-huh. And they end up losing the cop because the cop's car um, smashed into a pole. smashes into something as a direct result of them, you know, fleeing the police. Yeah. And the police officer was obviously killed in that crash. Yeah. And the two characters, Seth Rogen and the the other guy, Cato, had absolutely not one second of remorse no nope, no effect whatsoever it cuts to them celebrating in their room dancing on the bed watching tv drinking beers just having a great time we killed a cop and i was like they would at least stop for five minutes and go was that a good thing to do and then if they decide yeah it was fine that's great that's okay yeah. but they at least need to have that decision moment and it was not here it was just them suddenly being jackasses they were jackasses through the whole movie they were just bumbling idiots uh through the whole crappy movie so here's some stuff yeah they were totally uh but seth rogan anyways but that's kind of his no even kato sort of and it had this weird kind of slow fast fight scenes where they focused in on uh aspects of the fight and they saw a like targeted information the gun would turn red or the baseball oh bat would yeah turn red and then it would be like that was a, like kato's spidey sense though going, yeah but you know? the, the seth rogan got it at the end as well like it happened to him in the last fight scene oh, you're so, right you're right yeah and it was just uh it's like okay they can't uh they can't go anywhere near the skill level of bruce lee like in the old television shows. No, that's true. So they have to do something because nobody's going to be as fast as Bruce Lee. It was like he was scary fast. Yep. And uh, even the uh, the motion he did, uh, the Cato character, I forget who played the uh, who, who the actor was. Yeah, I don't but remember. But he did the motion where he just kind of put his hand uh, on the chest of somebody, his fingers, and then did a punch. Right. And he went through the window. <laughs> like, go to YouTube and... Uh, uh, Look for Bruce Lee doing that move. Uh-huh. You, you, he knocks people over doing that. It's not as 
you know, blatantly obvious as putting a guy through a window. Sure. But he will put you off balance and you will fall down just by doing something, uh, punching you from three inches away. That's insane. Yes. Bruce Lee was scary good. Okay. Well, speaking of being fast. Yeah. After they do go out to catch guys on purpose the first time, it's on the news. And there's, they're watching their news clips of themselves. And uh, Seth Rogen realizes that Cato is not shown in any of the news clips right. of them fleeing. It's just him, like big fat him running away going, ah. yeah. And Cato says something about, I'm too fast for TV. That's right. And I thought to myself, okay. They're introducing some sort of supernatural thing here. Either that or Cato's all in his mind. He doesn't actually exist. Nope. None of that. That, it was was a just, call, that was just a call back to Bruce Lee. It was just him saying, I'm too fast for TV. Yes. Totally meaningless unless it was a call back to Bruce Lee. It was a call back to Bruce Lee. They made him slow down because the frame rate of the television show, the filming that they were using, <laughs> okay. was not adequate for capturing what he could do. So they made him do his actions again, but slower. Jesus, I didn't know a human being could move that fast. Yeah, 24 frames per second it was filmed at the time, or maybe even yeah, less, but yeah, yeah. Uh, for television it probably was less. Good but Lord. But they, uh, they had to slow down because it was just too fast. Just like, we, we can't, we tried watching it, it doesn't make any sense. Well. Can you please slow down? I didn't pick up on that. I just thought, okay, they're they're explaining something, they're hinting, they're foreshadowing something here, but then they weren't. No, that was an Easter egg. All right, so um, I also noticed they got a fax in their car, which I thought was dumb. And a record player. And a record flare, yeah. They used to have those. They had green headlights, which was kind of cool. Yeah. It is the Green Hornet. Um, there was a scene where uh, after they beat up a bunch of guys and Seth Rogen wanted to get information, and so he was going around picking up dead guys going, who do you work for? And then realizing they're dead and going, ew. I kind of think that was funny. Um, he shoots himself in the face uh, with the fart gun, yep. and then he shoots Cato in the face after he's in a coma for two weeks. Yes. The fart gun is a direct... Pick up from Despicable Me. If you've ever seen that, there's I have not. Fart gun in that movie. Good movie. Was uh, which one came first? This movie or Despicable? Oh, Me? Oh, Despicable Me by a long time. Okay, I think yeah. Despicable Me two came out a couple weeks ago, which I saw. Yeah, in the this weekend. movie's been it's a few years old. It's then, only right? a few years, but I'm pretty sure Despicable is first. I'm not so sure about that. And then there's a scene where the bad guys are going around killing random people just because they're wearing green. I'm like, really? This is the this is what the writers came up with. Killing random people in green because they're looking for the green hornet. Come on. Yeah. This is a no, this is a dumb movie. Dumb, dumb movie. All we right. haven't even mentioned Chad L. Coleman no, yet. No, we got we to gotta mention Christoph Waltz, though. Oh, He was the bad guy. He was the and bad I guy. And I like him as Absolutely. an actor. But, uh, you know, and he delivered his lines okay. There were crappy lines. But and it he was had a double-barreled handgun that was kind of which was the dumbest cool. thing ever i thought it was sort of neat no it wasn't it was he shot two guys at the same time two yeah. separate guys yeah he also shot the same guy twice at one point as well right, i know like how do you control the direction of those barrels mr uh they spread apart sometimes but go straight other times <laughs> it, it was dumb mind control yeah but christoph waltz i think was probably the only redeeming factor in this movie whatsoever yeah i don't know he's a good actor who was in a really bad part and he did. didn't really bring a lot to it he I didn't bring know. a lot to it but i think he delivered his lines with the expertise that i would expect from an actor of that caliber all right well uh chad l coleman played one of his henchmen henchmen that's right who uh gets killed right he gets killed but he had great shirts did he? Yeah, he had some. Uh, he had some really nice. Did two shirts I saw him wear were actually really nice. He did have. Uh, he did have more lines, I think, than most of the other henchmen until he bit it. Uh, and you know, he was all right as a henchman. I could see him playing henchman roles more. Yeah. You know, he's big, tough guy. 
just one just wants to be told what to do. He's very henchmany. <laughs> henchmany, exactly. Okay, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. So this is an interesting one for me because this is a show that I know a lot of people like. It's been on for a long time. Yes. People have been. I've had people tell me I should watch it because it's a good show. Maybe, I have the same experience. Maybe that it's funny. And I've never seen an episode. Never. This is the first one ever. And I got to say, it's possibly the weirdest show I've watched in a long time. I did not like it. No, eh? I will not be watching this show based on this episode. Come on. Dickless Dennis wasn't funny. That was funny. It did. No. <laughs> I thought that part was kind of hilarious. The, the thing about it is it was weird, though, is because, well, it didn't seem to take place in any known universe. Like it was a pretty weird universe. Yeah, like they didn't. I didn't even know how to describe it, but there was no consequences. There was I don't know. They I think just it uh, cut it, in between weird scenes. Yeah, it sort of was like uh, the league. In, yeah. in some ways, just having the like we had the uh, the taco character mm-hmm. kind of thing. We had uh, it was kind of weird and offset. Like this is it's not reality. Right, yeah. Normal human beings do not behave this way, uh, and uh, yeah, it just it didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, I didn't think it was funny. I don't think I had a laugh out loud moment. Like even the uh, "I hate my teenage daughter" had an actual couple of moments where I laughed. Yes, this did not have that for me. Well, I laughed at Dickless Dennis when they wouldn't stop talking about him having no dick, but that was it. That was really it. Danny DeVito wasn't funny. No, you know, and. Uh, yeah, I didn't really get this show. I'm not going to watch it anymore either. Maybe it's relying so heavily on the characters that have been established over six seasons by this point that we just didn't get it. Well, that could be it. Very much it. You know, it. Uh, if you've if you started from the beginning and this is kind of your thing, then I could see this maybe appealing to an, uh, a lot of people out there. But I'd have to be on board early, and I'd have to be open to this kind of wacky non-humor i think i'm open to this kind of wacky non-humor but uh well as a fan of the league and in some ways um how i met your mother too yeah this reminded me of that a little bit but it was like barney's not based in reality nobody behaves like barney no how i met your mother no but this was almost like an alternate weirdo universe version of that show you know how i met your mother's based in real life this was based in some other wacky universe and even the bar was just this weird hole in the ground that uh, didn't, that, didn't look like it was supposed to be a bar. Good God, I wouldn't go into that. You couldn't pay me to go into that <laughs> dump, you know? And then they're hanging around, but nobody else is ever in there. So I saw people in the background. Were there? I'm yeah. not even sure the bar was open at any point. No, I saw people in the background right at the, the opening scene where he was talking about killing all the rats with his stick. Yeah, with his stick. There now, were actual people at tables in the background. Okay, I, a couple. I blocked that out. Yeah. Chad L. Coleman plays Z, another henchman. Yeah. Or Zed, Z, I guess Z. Um... And he's a henchman to, again, a weird character. There's sex going on behind a screen, and they're sitting around watching it, like behind a sheet. They were playing video games. That, the the, uh, the sex was just ancillary. To That's the right. It was just there. Yeah. It was just happening while they were in a room playing video games. And Chad L. Coleman was a henchman watching him play video games and cheering him on. He got to level three, man. I Well, that's what... <laughs> Very exciting. So weird. So weird. Uh, and that was his only scene. So we only had a few yeah. lines in this and, and that was it. Um, one more thing I have to mention. Yeah. That at the very end, and uh, I'm going to just lay this out there and then we're going to move on. At the very end of this um, episode of this, of Sun- Always Sunny in Philadelphia, 
they get him a new rat killing stick. You just mentioned he was killing rats at the beginning yeah. with a stick. Yeah. For some reason, that's what that character wants to do the whole episode. They get him a new rat killing stick. It is a baseball bat yep. wrapped in spiky chains. It was actually a baseball bat wrapped in a chain with spikes through it. Well, that's... It wasn't... It, the chain wasn't spiky. It just had a chain and was spiky. Right. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Why? Next up is burn notice and in plain sight. Now, I want to combine... You're going to call back to this later? Combine... No, I'm not going to call back to it. People who... People will know what that means. All right. Burn notice and in plain sight. I want to put these two together because... They're both on the USA Network. Okay, jam and, them together. And I had similar feelings. Now, if we're going to go through one at a time, though, let's start with Burn Notice. Um, this episode we chose, unknowing at the time, was the mid-season finale for the show. Yep. And um, Burn Notice is a crappy, crappy show. It really it really is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I've... I this, tried watching the first season of this. And, uh, my wife and I tried watching season one of Burn Notice. I mean, it's got Bruce Campbell in it. Good. It's about spies. Good. See? How could it not be good? It's not good. It's not good. I um, It's a show I've wanted to watch for a long time, and I know jumping into the middle uh, is never a good idea. But it, There was no discernible difference between this episode and the first season. Well, here's here's what I wrote down. It had a It has a very strange vibe to it, and there's zero seriousness. Even though the characters are trying to play it serious. I just felt like there was nothing serious about this. No, nothing actually, I don't know, nothing actually that was realistic and substantial. Yeah. Substantive? Substantive. Bad acting, bad writing, like just terrible. Voiceover. Um, Oh my God, the worst voiceover (laughs) I've ever heard. I don't know what is wrong with that guy's voiceover. And a kind of comedic uh, on-screen titling as well. Well, I wrote that too. Uh, uh, Lower thirds that repeat what a character just said. Yeah. So they walk in. I'm in charge of the op. He's in charge of the op. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I mean, and we laugh about it now, but I was watching it going, what the hell? Like, whose idea was this? I think the show was supposed to have this kind of campy feel to it. It's got Bruce Campbell in it for crying out loud. It's got to have a campy feel to it, I guess. Right, but it did. Uh, it didn't pay off. Like it wasn't there for me. His mother, uh, the main character's mother, at one point there, and he's he goes to visit her. Was was she Cagney or Lacey from Cagney and Lacey? I have no idea. Another show. I've I think never she seen. was Cagney. Maybe, maybe. But he goes to see her at one point, and um, she asks him an obviously rhetorical question. One of those, like, what am I supposed to do now type questions. Right. And he, without missing a beat, sits down and answers it. Starts writing down a phone number for her saying, here's what you do kind of thing. And I'm like, these writers even know what a rhetorical question <laughs> is. Like, you write one, the point is made. You yeah. don't need him to sit down and start answering her question. And I'm like, come on, guys. But maybe you're right. Maybe there's a camp value here, and this is all part of the joke. You know, and that, and and again, jumping in in the middle of a season, we're just not part of it. We're not getting it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So had Doctor Cox I don't from know. Scrubs. Oh my God! Yes, it did in a in a like terrible role. Yeah, it was a <laughs> terrible know? role. I mean, there was uh, this show. Uh, it had bad aspects to it. There was another guy in there. The guy without his shoes had to. He had, they had to leave the uh, the room without his shoes. What was he in before? I don't know, but it was a long running joke about not wearing any shoes, I'm... and he's. 
<laughs> they're in a foreign country chasing down a it's Panama. A, they're in Panama. Yeah, sorry, chasing down a very it's dangerous foreign. guy. I know. It's I just well, to us and to them. And I just couldn't remember the name of the country. Yeah, it's Panama. And they're going on and on about him having no shoes. And in fact, he has no shoes. I mean, the guy, he'd have shoes. That's all I'm saying. And and the U.S. <laughs> government. Well, whether, you know, it was an off-the-books op or on-the-books op, set in, sent in a uh, a fighter jet to fire missiles at the building. In a populated city. Yeah, in the middle of uh, Panama, in the middle of Panama, which they would not, the U.S. government would not do, and the pilot would probably refuse to do outright. I'm not going to fire on a building in uh, a country we're not at war with. Right. Uh, and then comes around and is able to track a vehicle and shoot it. Right, a vehicle containing Chad L. Coleman. Chad L. Coleman, with the same same missiles that he had uh, from before. So they shot, the, but they blew up both the building and the car with the same missile. Well, and that's really not practical either. No, that's they're tough two, to do. They're kind of different, uh, you know, sets of missile types. Yes, in my humble, uninformed opinion, of course. Sure, it's all we have around here. Yes. <laughs> Um, okay, so, so Chad Elcombe. He plays a guy working in Panama as the man running the op, he's as the, you yeah, said. Yeah. And, you know, he's okay. I thought at first he was okay. Like, he had some decent lines. He he delivered them with the right amount of seriousness, which the rest of this episode was entirely lacking. And maybe because he wasn't a regular character, he was a one-off, he wasn't sort of part of the grander, campy style. Right. Until the end when, yeah, he... He kind of buys into it and goes with it, and then he drives off and saves everybody because he lures the fighter jet away in a van yeah. and takes the missile shot. Yeah, he, so, so he took one for the team, and he got blown up. He did, but just right before that scene, I felt it was kind of like, you guys get out and run. It was one of those, you know, I'm not coming scenes, yeah. and uh, that's what it was. So burn notice, dumbass show. Sorry, everyone who loves it, but I didn't. I wasn't on board at all. In plain sight. In plain sight. USA Network. And I had some of the same problems as I did with Burn Notice. So I started thinking, maybe this is a USA Network thing. Maybe they go for these wacky, unrealistic, camp-filled shows. You thought, uh, okay, so uh, I sort of like In Plain Sight. I watched the first season of this, and mm-hmm. I kind of like this show. I like uh, Mary McCormick. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lead, the lead actress. I liked her in the West Wing. I've liked her in some other stuff that I've seen that I can't recall right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, I kind of like this show. It's boring. Well, don't get me wrong. It's better than Burn Notice. Yeah. It's better. There's more substance to it. The acting was better, although I still thought it was a little questionable I think at times. I, since I watched the first season, I think I understand the characters a little bit more. Well, see, maybe that's what you need. Maybe Burn Notice needs that too. Like she's kind of a kind of a brooding. Uh, you know, mess of a human being, but is good at her job, kind of thing. Right. And her partner is a babbling idiot that is the perfect counterpart to her. And then they they throw in the guy from Wings in this particular episode, who is the know-it-all FBI agent that screws everything up. Yeah, I thought her partner was the biggest problem with this because just the the way he was, kind of like, kind of an yeah, babbling idiot, like you said, didn't really seem like he would be the type of guy who was you know of any help to anybody trying to do anything useful so so uh if this show is not really your cup of tea go watch justified Mm -hmm. justified is the uh, same kind of concept but does it right okay this show is okay but it's kind of boring justified is amazing and not boring at all justified is awesome 
All right. It is one of my favorite shows on television. Well, we just started watching Orphan Black, and there's a lot of other shows on right now, so you I'll, I'll get justified in there. Soon. Well, it's not directly aimed at you. It's kind of aimed at the you know everybody who's listening to the sound of my voice. Go watch Justified. Okay. Including you, damn it. Watch Justified. I will. I will. I, there's a lot of shows I've got in the queue, so I will. Um, so Chad in... In, in plain sight, he plays a former boxer who's been punched in the head one too many times. Literally. Yeah, because he's not all there, and he's on the verge of, I think, death at any moment if he takes another blow to yeah. the head. And then he gets punched in the head one too many times. He does, but he survives. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, he was okay in this role. He was not part of the plot, and I didn't quite understand his role. Well, that's the thing. He wasn't part of the wackiness, sort of like in Burn Notice. At first, he wasn't really part of the wackiness until he bought into it, but in this, he never really did. He just wasn't part of the plot. He was kind of like something they were setting up for maybe down the road or... I think this was a callback to something that happened previously. Could have been. He was already in Witness Protection, yeah. Right? So he's probably from a previous episode that's being called back here, which is why he wasn't part of the actual plot of what was going on, the main plot. He was a subplot. Yeah. I think his character was a main plot of a previous episode. Well, it worked for him, I thought. I thought it worked in this episode a little bit better uh, than uh, he was in Burn Notice. So He works as, a, as, as a, an ex-boxer. I think he oh, did, yeah. that, uh, that role is just about perfect for him. Absolutely. And at the beginning, he was wearing a Tyrese hat, too. Which a little nice. beanie yeah. cap that he had on, and that's the first thing I thought of when I was watching it. So, yeah. um, so anything else about In Plain Sight or Burn Notice? Uh, yeah, I watched the first season of In Plain Sight, and uh, I think I got bored of it that I okay. haven't really gotten around to watching anymore. All right, and I'm not sure I ever will. I have no real you know, no impetus to watch. That's it. a thing. So uh, we made some poor choices. With uh, Chad L. Coleman's career here. Well, I kind of liked the Gilded Six Bits. It was kind of silly and... uh, Wasn't much point to it, but at least it wasn't offensive like some of the other things. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of liked it. Yeah. It had its moments. It didn't, you know, some of the plot didn't make any sense whatsoever, but the the style of it I liked. But Teenage Daughter, terrible. Terrible. Green Hornet, terrible. Terrible. Always Sunny in Philadelphia, weird. Weird. Not Not my cup of tea. I'm not going to say terrible, but definitely weird. Burn Notice, terrible, and In Plain Sight, meh. Meh, exactly. Right? So there you go. Um, Walking Dead, best thing he's ever done. uh, We haven't seen The Wire, so you have. I have seen The Wire. I don't remember his character, though. Okay, well, he's a regular. Well, he was a semi regular on that, but I haven't seen The Wire, and many people say that's the best thing ever on TV. So if he was a part of that. Uh, the Gilded Six Bits, the, uh, the guy from the city, the, uh, the slick talking. In The Wire. He was in The Wire. I remember him from The Wire. Along with, uh, damn it, what's his name? The British guy. I don't know. Remember, I haven't seen it. Yeah. So they have a whole con, con, like a whole. They go in to do an investigation. There are a couple of police detectives. They go in to investigate this uh, this shooting, and uh, it's ten minutes of uh, I don't know. Do we have an explicit tag on this? Go ahead. All right. So there's ten minutes of them walking around saying cocksucker, <laughs> the whole time. Isn't that? Um... Uh, isn't that that also other? Deadwood? Yes. Yeah, Deadwood. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that that's a great conversation too with Ian McShane and that other guy. <laughs> Ian <laughs> all McShane. Can, all I can say is cocksucker. All right. Well, um, other good shows that were reminded uh, that these uh, crappy shows reminded me of. Good. So <laughs> someday The Walking Dead's gonna have to cast somebody from a bunch of good shows, and then we'll get to watch those. Um, and if I ever watch The Wire, maybe I'll let everyone know what I think about it because it's on the list. 
It is on the list. Put Justified above the wire. Okay. Dave's going to shoot me for saying that, but uh, that's my opinion. I will do it. Justified above the wire. All righty. Um, that's who knew we would get this much podcast out of a four minute trailer and, and six episodes of TV pretty much. Good times. <laughs> um, thank you for tuning in everybody. Uh, unfortunately it's going to be three weeks until we podcast again because I am going to be indisposed doing other things for a while, but we will return with all the walking dead news and anything else that comes out or we think of. Yeah, after rewatching the trailer another 10 times, which I'll probably do, to be to be honest. Um, so we will be back in three weeks, and there's a chance I might show up on a podcast here or there unrelated to this one uh, in that time frame. So you never know. It'll be fun. Yeah. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, by all means, give us a call on the Zomb line. That's one 483 We want to hear all your feedback, comments, questions there. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. Finally, of course, you can always email us at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. So uh, that's about it. We'll be back in three weeks. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening, everybody. Watch Justified. Okay, so Kate and had the baby today, and what's her husband? Is it Prince Philip? William. Prince William? Yeah. It's one of them. I was reading today that they have been living in a two-bedroom residence yeah, somewhere, I guess, on, on there for, for a while, uh, waiting to move into their new residence um, that, that's being renovated right now. Right. It, it's a four-story apartment with 20 rooms. Nice. So they're going to step up a little. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> from the two-bedroom apartment. Uh, except I think they're going to live with her mom for a while, too. Or she is while he goes back off to his military service. Right. He's a helicopter pilot. Yes, he is. He's a, he's a, he's a you, search and rescue. Do you think he gets special treatment over there because he's the prince? I'm sure it's not official. But it happens. But if you were working with a prince, would you give him special treatment? Or would you call him a dickhead <laughs> for uh, taking your shift? Stop being such a dick, Why prince are you such William? a dick? <laughs> <laughs> and you write dick on his locker. <laughs> Prince dickhead. <laughs> yeah, I think he probably gets preferential treatment.